We have one of our most distinguished guests coming up right now. He is a former head of criminal law at the Pentagon, a former Virginia senator, a real live colonel. He is, of course, Senator Colonel Richard Black, and he joins us now for the first time, Senator, on the mother of all talk shows, though I have followed your work for a very considerable time. Let me, uh, in welcoming you, ask for your opinion on the escalation implied in the attacks on the Russian air bases, 400 miles inside Russian territory. For me, this is a terrifying turn of events. How does it look to you? Well, what it shows is that uh, the the West, NATO, the United States, the UK, understand that Ukraine has lost the war. They will not win the war. There's absolutely no chance that, of them winning. And what has happened is that the West has become incredibly, almost insanely reckless in provoking uh, a nuclear war. Uh, we've done it in the past. We, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we sabotaged the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines. They don't belong to us. They belong to Germany and to, and to Russia. But we sabotaged them to cut off the gas. Uh, we helped to sink the flagship of the Russian fleet, the cruiser Moskva. We sent to the bottom 300 young Russian sailors. Um, the, 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 the recklessness is, is so extreme. And you think of what started the First World War, where there was an assassination of uh, the Archduke and his wife, and that resulted first in 18 million people being killed in the First World War, quickly followed by 50 million more in the Second World War, all starting from two people. And yet you look at the things we're doing. Now we're flying drones, and I say we, we the United States has disavowed any involvement. But, uh, you know, at this point, it's a little hard to believe that uh, – that Ukraine does anything without pre-clearance from the United States. And uh, so we are literally attacking centers of nuclear power in Russia. And I'm, I'm sure that there are at least some elements <clears throat> that do it with the intention of triggering a spark, setting off a spark that will ignite the nuclear holocaust and probably kill uh, 60% of the world's population, and most all of the people in the West. It is the age-old question, uh, Senator Colonel, uh, it, it, are they fools or are they knaves? Is it uh, reckless stupidity or is it uh, a, a predetermined and carefully calibrated plan? Do they want a war or are they just recklessly stupid about creating the conditions for an all-out war between NATO and Russia? I think what you see is a struggle between factions of the deep state. Uh, there are there are those who feel that 
that it would be madness to trigger a nuclear war with Russia. And there are factions that are willing to to gamble all of humanity on a chance to dominate Russia, to break it to apart, to seize its natural resources, which are vast and incalculable in size. Um, so it's not as though there is sort of a monolithic force that is bringing these things together. It's that there is a struggle internally and that there are people on the ground. There are Americans on the ground right now who are advising Zelensky and uh, and they in many cases are allowing the most wildly reckless things to occur. Often they they are literally the, the planners of these things. Uh, it's very, very dangerous what's going on right now. Now, uh, most of us here, I hope you don't find it offensive, most of us here have difficulty in believing that Joe Biden is in charge. But, uh, of course, he is responsible as the commander-in-chief. You were an insider uh, at the Pentagon. Would he have had placed on his desk a proposal to fire missiles 400 miles into air bases which contain nuclear weapons inside Russia. Would that be the level of decision? Would he be the level uh, at which a decision like that would be made? I I can't say for sure. I do know that when we we aided in the assassination of 13 Russian generals and the sinking of the flagship, that uh, President Biden became furious that the fact that we had done it was leaked in the press. Now, he should have been angered that it happened, that it was done, that something so wildly reckless occurred, but he obviously was not. His concern was that this had hit the press. Um, It has to occur to me that perhaps he knew in advance that these things were being done. So I cannot tell you specifically whether he knows about the flight of the drones. I'm going to tell you, if I were the president and someone uh, sent drones to attack a nuclear war site in Russia, which is one of the two great nuclear superpowers, if they did that without my permission as president, I'd have them locked up the same day. I mean, literally, I would throw them in prison and then figure out the charges afterwards because they would have risked the future of all Western civilization by doing this. And so I can't tell you that he knew, but he certainly should have been informed. Neither of us knows the uh, mindset uh, of uh, the Kremlin, uh, but I have many sources, as no doubt do you, uh, and my sources tell me there is mounting anger uh, around Putin, never mind outside on the streets, but outside on the streets, mounting anger at the way in which this war 
is dragging on and that such provocations as the attack on the nuclear bases in Russia or for that matter the now daily massacre of civilians in Donetsk, Ukrainian civilians massacred by Ukrainians and there's a growing push on Putin to take the gloves off and finish this war. Do you think that that is logical? And if so, whether Putin is likely to respond to it? I I think it is happening. Uh, People in the West misunderstand the mindset of the Russian people, and they they sort of interpret this to mean that somehow uh, the Russians are, are losing their incentive to pursue the war. Not at all. Uh, the Russian people are frustrated that initially Russia went in with velvet gloves, trying to minimize casualties, trying to maintain good relations with the people of Ukraine. And, and they went in uh, with an extraordinarily small military force. Uh, it, it, it was, it was not a practical force for what they were about to undertake. To their credit, I, I think, uh, the, the Russian high command did not realize that they were going to encounter the kind of resistance that they did. But here's where we are right now. Um, Ukraine has, of course, you read the, you read what the mainstream media tells you about the war and you would think that Ukraine is, uh, is doing doing quite well. The fact is, just the other day, uh, the European Commission president, uh, uh, Ursula von der, von der Leyen, said in a video uh, that was uh, published on Twitter that more than 100,000 Ukrainian military people, soldiers, have been killed in the nine months. Now, I, to me, I'm able to relate this because I fought in Vietnam, which was our last really bloody war that the United States fought. Uh, we had uh, 58,000 people who were killed over a 10-year period. It was a 10-year war. Uh, it works out to where we had 485 people killed each month on average. That's the United States in Vietnam. 485. At Bakhmut, where there's an enormous battle being waged between Ukraine and Russia right now, right at this very moment as we speak, in Bakhmut, Ukraine is losing between 500 and 700 soldiers in a day. Okay, so they are losing in one day what the United States lost in a month in Vietnam. Now, so, so, so right, right away you've got 30 times as many dying. And then you have to realize that Ukraine has a much smaller population than the United States had back in those days. The U.S. had about 200 million, uh, during the, during the Vietnam War. And Ukraine has about 37 million. Uh, And that's a high estimate because there have been about 7 million who have fled the country to avoid the war. So they have a very depleted population. uh, And 
enormous, just astounding numbers of Ukrainians had been thrown into the front lines, ground to, to hamburger meat by Russian artillery. <clears throat> it is true that they have managed to eke out some, some, uh, victories. They, they drove Russia out of Kharkiv where Russia was clearly overextended and, and they had light forces there. Uh, and then they, they claimed that they also drove Russia out of, out of Kherson in the south down towards the Black Sea. But the fact is, they didn't really drive the Russians from Kherson. Uh, the Russians were dangerously overextended across the deeper river and they did a very uh, professionally executed strategic withdrawal to avoid being overextended. Um, right now, uh, and this has been very credibly reported in the Washington Post of all places, the uh, the Ukrainians have sort of, they've managed to get all the low-hanging fruit. Uh, and at this point, uh, the Russians are behind uh, very, very icy rivers, and they have they have built uh, three lines of defense. They've they've put in vast lot, uh, minefields, and at this point, uh, these are just slaughtering grounds for the troops that uh, Zelensky is ordering into battle. Now he doesn't give a hoot what happens to these people. He's been ordered to keep this war going. The war is is feeding the war profiteers, the arms manufacturers, and uh, it's helping to keep uh, the West, to keep the United States with a lock on the energy markets. Uh, there's a lot of money being made, uh, and uh, and his job, Zelensky's job, is to keep the war going uh, and just to fight to the last living Ukrainian. And he's doing a pretty good job of wiping out the, the troops in Ukraine. I thought originally, uh, Colonel, that the, uh, the Dnipro would, would be the defining, dividing line between an Eastern Ukraine absorbed by Russia and a Western Ukraine absorbed by NATO, the EU, and so on. But, I no longer can see how Russia could tolerate the existence of what would then become a NATO armed camp west of the Dnipro. Uh, and that short of a profound regime change in Kiev, Russia now has no incentive itself to end the war. And Putin said yesterday, we're done with negotiating with Ukraine. Uh, and it strikes me that, I don't want to be Shakespearean about it, but they are already steeped in blood. So that whether it's bloodier to go on or go out is, is a moot point. That Russia would be as well continuing until there is no NATO, EU, Western Ukraine. There is only a Ukraine that is uh, neutral and provably neutral. You know, I, I spoke before the uh, the AFD party and the Bundestag. They invited me over 
uh, to Berlin and I, I spoke to the, the members of the party. Very, very impressive people. And, uh, and I told them this was back in June and I told them that this was the time for Ukraine to negotiate because uh, they were at the height of their, of their power and their negotiating position. And I said, look, at this point, if they negotiated, they probably could uh, manage to get all of Kiev uh, under their control, including the part that's east of the Dnieper River. They probably could get Russia to guarantee that uh, uh, that they would uh, get the port in Odessa, which is absolutely vital to them. And uh, and I think that is accurate. Now, today, you raise some possibilities and and uh, you have to remember, Russia did not mobilize before they crossed the border. Uh, They they were forced into going into Ukraine because of this huge buildup of Ukrainian armed forces around the Donbass. Now, the Donbass. Those are Russian-speaking people. They're ethnic Russians, and they're about to be attacked by this massive Ukrainian army armed and trained by the West. And so Russia was forced to go in. And it's unbelievable. Russia had never mobilized. And here you had Europe being told, oh, they're, they're going to take over the world. There's, the Russians are going to, are going to, you know, invade everybody. They're, they're going to be in your, on your doorstep tomorrow. Well, there's rubbish. There was nothing to it. Uh, the, the Russians were unprepared for a war. They, they had done everything in their power to invo- avoid a conflict. But now what they have done is they have mobilized. Uh, when they started the mobilization, they had 90,000 troops on the front lines. Now they have 200,000 on the front lines. Within a couple of months, they're going to have 400,000 on the front line. And these are conservative because they're not stopping the mobilization with just that. They're continuing. And uh, so what is happening is President Putin has a massive force, and it's also backed up by huge amounts of armor. And this is not the armor they used at the beginning, the, the old stuff. This is the new stuff. It's the best, the best and the best of the aircraft. And they're also expanding the number of drones and so forth. So they have an immense force. And at this point, the Ukrainians are just ground down. They're, they're stuck out there in the cold, in the ice. Uh, they can't evacuate their casualties. They can't bring in ammunition. Uh, the, the drone attack that's being waged by Russia against Ukraine is very precise, very targeted, and it's knocking out the electrical grid, which also shuts down the water supply. And importantly, you have to realize that the, that the railways in Ukraine operate on electricity. The, the locomotives are electrically driven. And so when you shut down the, uh, the electrical grid, you shut down the ability to move arms and equipment and troops by rail. Uh, so it, it has put Ukraine in a very vulnerable position. And for Russia, 
if you recognize that two months after the war began, back in April, Zelensky had sent a five-page peace proposal to President Putin and asked to make peace. The Russians had sat down and they had uh, they had reached preliminary agreements and the chief Ukrainian negotiator told the the Ukrainian people he said we have agreed on almost everything except Ukraine which was kind of a red herring that was thrown in there as a as a bargaining chip and nobody expects that Ukraine will ever go back to to uh, or, or that Crimea I'm sorry that Crimea would go back to Ukraine so in any, in, a, in any event Russia and Ukraine had reached a preliminary agreement, and uh, that's when uh, Prime Minister Boris Yeltsin flew into Kiev unannounced and basically ordered Zelensky to knock off this business of peace negotiations, get back to war. We put a huge amount of money into arms and supplies, and we expect a return on our dollar. And uh, and so at that point, there were very few casualties. The war could have ended on a mutually acceptable basis for Ukraine and Russia. But uh, the the UK blocked it and they would never have done that without the explicit approval uh, from the White House. There's no way that they would have done it independently since we have most of the forces involved. So. So now all of these poor Ukrainian kids have gone out and been slaughtered massively. Lots of Russians have also lost their lives, not nearly as many as Ukrainians, but still lots and lots of Russians have died. The Russians, I think the Russian people are past the point where they're going to accept uh, some sort of minimal accomplishment on the battlefield. Um I could only speculate where this will go. I feel confident that uh, at least part of Kiev will fall under the Russians, the part that's uh, on on the Russian side of the Dnieper on on towards Russia. Uh I suspect that Russia will want to go forward and capture the port at Odessa which will make Ukraine, a landlocked country, completely dependent on Russia for the ex- export of its uh, its wheat and its other products. And uh, at that point, I think you'll see that Ukraine will no longer be able to be this bellicose uh, mouse that roared. Uh, it's it's not going to be able to do that in the future. And I think at this point, Russia. It has negotiated in good faith. It helped the negotiations back during Minsk when the Germans and and the French could see this coming back in 2014. Uh, Russia helped with the uh, to encourage the negotiations that ended the war supposedly in 2014, but it never took hold. Ukraine never carried out its obligations under Minsk. And then uh, again, uh, in April of this year, we blew up the the peace talks. I don't think Russia is going to fall for this again. I think they're going to win the war on the battlefield. 
And I would just say to Ukrainians, watch out, because if you think things have been bad so far, you're going to see something that is way beyond anything you conceived of before. Senator Colonel Richard Black, former head legal counsel at the Pentagon, thank you for joining us on the mother of all talk shows.